We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. This week, I am continuing my interview with Randy Sprick, and what a fantastic interview last week was, and this week is even more awesomer. That's not a word, but... It's that awesome. So I hope you enjoy listening to this. We're going to talk about how to deal with some toxic teachers and the way that Randy approaches it with the same way he approaches everything else by, you know, seeing, treating people how you want them to become. He's got a good quote about that. And I hope you enjoy listening to this. And you may need to listen to it a couple of times to hear his modeling of that. So please, uh, Enjoy this, and thank you so much for listening. There's another question that I really wanted to get to that I think is really vital and something that a lot of principals struggle with because they don't know what to do with it, and that involves toxicity of some teachers. And I know that that's a loaded word, but what are some practical ideas and strategies you have or examples you've seen administrators use to deal with the toxicity of some teachers? Yeah, that is such a great question and, and always a difficulty. And even in the schools that that are doing really, really well with guiding a lot of the things that I talked about on the safety uh, front, there's, there's always that struggle of some staff members who don't get on board, who, who aren't team players with this. And although it is a loaded word, it, it is a, it's a word that we all understand, that toxicity. I think 
First and foremost, a lot of this messaging about positive climate, we all need to be part of supervision, needs to come not just from administrators. Uh, it should be coming from a shared decision-making leadership team in the building that certainly includes administrators, but includes well-respected teachers, uh, at least one well-respected non-certified person, whether that's a paraprofessional uh, or a maintenance person or clerical, uh, so that we honor those people. You are part of the leadership as well. Uh, at least one special ed teacher and or counselor or a psychologist or behavior specialist, so that we have a leadership team. And a lot of this messaging uh, about uh, positive climate, uh, distributed supervision, etc., does need to be, staff need to get reminders about this, and those reminders should not just be coming from administrators. So hopefully those, that tiny minority who are not positive, who are, are, are toxic, who are quite frankly bullying kids, uh, intimidating kids, belittling kids when they make errors, they are hearing relatively consistently, at least once a month or so, from this team and from this team in different ways, different people from the team taking the lead to do a brief two-minute commercial at a staff meeting. We need to be out there. We need to be positive, etc. So, So the first thing is this is not just coming from administrators and the messaging is consistent. Just on, I'm going to go deeper on the toxic in just a minute, but one of the things that is a very interesting phenomenon uh, that's written about in a couple of popular books, one by Atul Gawande, who is a surgeon, is about the struggle that hospitals have to get physicians to wash their hands. Uh, and this is not true in operating rooms. The protocols are so strict in operating rooms that this is not a problem there. But on the floors, hospitals have a tremendous struggle getting physicians to wash their hands with the frequency that they should. And the data shows that if, uh, if a hospital isn't doing consistent Consistent messaging and creating reminders and cajoling and begging physicians to wash their hands. Physicians get so busy, they wash their hands about half the time that they should. So hospitals have this this charge that they have to keep reminding physicians. We've known this since 1847, and it is not rocket science. A lot of medicine is rocket science. Hand washing is not part of that. We've known it for over 150 years, and my contention is if hospitals have to remind physicians to wash their hands, we as a leadership team, and it shouldn't always be the administrators because it gets annoying if it's always the administrators, have to keep reminding staff about all of those basics that I talked about on the safety question. So so those toxic people should be hearing from well-respected colleagues, we all need to do this. We all need to be positive. We all need to build relationships with kids. Now, that may not be enough to change that toxic person, but it is enough to get them at least hearing this is something, it is evidence-based. There is research on school safety. There is research on school connectedness. There is research on academic outcomes, high achievement, that says we need to build relationships with kids. We need to make this a positive school. So continuing to share more and more deeply and more and more frequently, good academic outcomes are contingent upon positive adults building relationships with kids. 
Then it becomes the admin. It's never a colleague's job to say to me, if I'm that toxic teacher, it is never reasonable to expect a colleague on the leadership team, a teacher, a counselor, to sit down with me and say, Randy, uh, you're being too negative. You need to shape up. Uh, that Colleagues can't say that to colleagues. They can say it in staff meetings. All of us need to do this. We all of us need to be conscious of this. So I can get that messaging from colleagues in staff development, in brief commercials, in staff meetings, in memos from the leadership team. But then it becomes an administrator's job to sit down with me and go, Randy, you are such a valued part of this staff. You are so important to uh, the kids that you have in class. But I got another complaint, Randy, from a parent uh, who said that maybe you are trying to make a joke, but when you say that work, you're a fifth grade teacher, Randy, when you say publicly to a kid, this work looks like a second grader, you may think you're making a joke, but that was hurtful enough that that child went home crying. Randy, I can't allow this in our building. You are a, you are a valuable part who we are as a staff, and who we are as a staff never belittles anyone. And I know that you're such a good teacher, Randy, that this may have just been you having a bad day. But if you don't work to rebuild that relationship with that student, I supported you with that parent yesterday. And I said, oh, Mr. Sprick was maybe just having a bad day. And then I'll talk to him. And Mr. Sprick is a really good teacher. I supported you yesterday. I actually, if I keep getting parental complaints like that, will not be able to support you because making a statement like that, Randy, is not good educational practice. How, how would you like it if I, in a staff meeting, said, I'm talking to you personally about this. You can talk to that kid personally and say, this, this work is not as good as what you're capable of. Marco, you need to, you need to do better, buddy. But, but don't say to him, this looks like a second grader. Imagine if I in a staff meeting said, oh, and Randy, last week I got a parental complaint and he said public, I would never do that to you. Randy, you're a valuable part of this. There's a quote that I'd like to like to share, and I would encourage uh, your listeners to share it with everybody on staff. It's from the German poet philosopher Goethe, G-O-E-T-H-E. Uh, the quote is, treat everyone as if they were what they're capable of being, and you help them become what they're capable of being. Now, that's important to share with staff members, because every staff member should treat kids as if they're a responsible individual and any mistakes are uh, an interruption. But for the administrator, when you have that toxic teacher, you will have to have some tough conversations like the one that I just modeled. If you have a staff member who parents are complaining, this teacher publicly said, my child's work looks like a second grader. My child's a fifth grader and he's doing his best. You have to have that tough conversation with me. You're not just going to blow off that parent and go, oh, oh well, God. It's no big deal. No, that is a big deal. So you have to have that tough conversation. But part of that conversation should be as if I am capable of being one of the most positive people in your school. So that part of that messaging ends with, Randy, you are such a positive, respectful person. You're such a valuable part of this staff. Please work on this and please work on rebuilding the relationship with that student, Marco. And if there is consistent messaging 
We as a school staff are positive. We as a school staff build relationships. And if that, then as an administrator, you keep bringing me examples of things where I, I'm not doing that. Hey, Randy, I never see you out in the halls greeting kids as they're entering. You owe it not just to yourself, but you owe it to your colleagues to be helping supervise the halls because we are all in this together. I know if on certain days you're not out there, you may be last minute getting a lesson plan together. That's no big deal. But I haven't seen you out there any day for the last three weeks. We need your help out there. If the administrator is putting gentle, evidence-based, here's the behavior that I saw or did not see, and we're seeing the shift towards positivity, what we have seen over time, and this can take two or three years, but what we've seen over time is those reluctant staff members either start making changes or they will leave the building because that gentle but relentless pressure that you're putting on me and the gentle, relentless, peer-based pressure of this is who we all are as a staff, that uh, base, there's another book that is a fabulous book for administrators called The Diffusion of Innovations. And he basically refers to these people as the laggards. And uh, this book is actually in its fifth edition now. And it summarizes research in everything from farming to medicine to education. And they basically go, when you change the culture around people, the most resistant people will eventually either get on board or get out. So I noticed as you were doing your little model there that you did not ask the person for their side of the story and you did not threaten discipline. Can you talk a little bit more about those two aspects of getting the person's side of the story and going down a discipline path. And I realized that that probably wasn't the intent of that that model. But talk a little bit about that, because those are things that weigh on our minds as principles. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Jethro. First of all, the, the going down the discipline path, I would never start there. Always start with that as-if treatment. Uh, I know that you're uh, you're an important part of who this building is, and I am treating you as if you're totally capable of creating the positive contribution that everybody else is. The initially, I would do a little bit of a monologue to get all of that information out there, and and then I would follow it with, but please tell me what's going on, what, what's what's happening here, you know, and and if I've laid out this is what I heard from the parent, and then the staff members says, but that's not what I said. What I said was X or Y. Uh, then I'm going to say, well, well, that's great. And that's, uh, you know, certainly what you said uh, is not as harsh as what the, the parent shared with me. And I, I will share with the parent that what you said was X or Y, and the, the child may have been overly sensitive or whatever. But do recognize that what the child heard, or at least said to his mother, was this. And, and it's perfectly okay that we have a back and forth. But also as the administrator, I should be listening for, are there subtexts here? Is this somebody who needs some additional support? And one of the things, Jethro, and if I email you a, a link, uh, can you get it out to your listeners? Is that possible to do? I've got a whole bunch of stuff that you've been talking about in okay. the show notes already. So links to the attributes, links to the checklist manifesto, the diffusion of innovations, the quote, all that stuff's in the show notes. So we're, we're good. Oh, cool. I just did a webinar yesterday uh, that we have as a recording that's uh, about, a, uh, and excuse the sales pitch here, but it's about my newest book, which is for administrators, leadership in behavior support. And I did a webinar on it. 
And there are some of the things in the webinar that go much uh, deeper than what we're going to have a chance to do here. But one part of that is a tool within that webinar, which just by looking at the recording, they can have this tool. And it's a, it's a resource that we built about meeting people's basic needs. And it's saying that all people have a need for recognition. Uh, hey, you're doing a good job of X. Uh, acknowledgement. Just, hey, it's good to see you today. Uh, attention which is ratios of interactions. Am I, am I interacting more with this person when that person is working to meet my expectations or am I having to do more corrections? Uh, it's what we call ratios of interactions and how am I distributing my attention and a need for belonging and a need for competence and a need for purpose. And we try to educate teachers that kids help have all of those needs and we as teachers should try to meet all of those needs within our classroom. But part of what we share with administrators is whenever you've got a reluctance skeptical, or in this case, toxic staff member, one of the first things you should do is you should sit down and do an analysis of their needs. That person does have a need for belonging. And is there anything going on where they feel like an outlier on our staff? And are there any things that we can do to bring them in to help them feel more valued? That person has a need for competence. And if they're not a good behavior manager, then uh, then it's part of my job as the administrator to help that person develop that competence and do we have coaches that could help them with classroom management so that they weren't feeling as frustrated in their room. Uh, so again, I went into more depth um, on it in the webinar and if that was of interest, uh, your, your, your listeners could go ahead and uh, take a look at that webinar and actually download that tool as part of that webinar. Well, that'll be great. Thank you for sharing that. You know, one of the things that I've learned in in having those tough conversations is that the vast majority of people don't intend to be nasty or negative or whatever adjective you could use to describe there. The reality is, is that they are very much likely dealing with something themselves. And that is why they are acting that way. One of the things that I do that I talk about all the time. And so my listeners are probably sick of hearing it. So I'll mention it briefly is we use storyline uh, cards in my school and on my door, I have a little card that says I have a storyline. And whenever somebody uh, brings that to me, they get to tell me what it is they think I think of them and what my interactions led them to believe about me. And it is a signal to me to stop, right, listen, right. be empathetic and caring. And the cool thing is, is that they can, you know, they're just telling what their opinion is. So they can say pretty much anything in there. And I'm not allowed by my own moral standards to get upset or frustrated that they're that they're saying that because they're just telling me how they feel about something. And so what that allows us to do though is have a conversation about what is really going on and just be honest and and recognize that we have needs and we have issues that we need to support each other with and address. And if we can open up the communication well enough for that to happen, then it really allows for some great growth to take place, which people are afraid of doing because it is hard and it's difficult and you're in an awkward position when that happens. So, you know, it's so powerful. That's a great suggestion. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. 
Well, I'll send you my uh, communication cards because I've got a bunch more. And cool. they're, um, I'd appreciate it. They're a lot of fun. So, you know, I think I could probably talk to you for about six more hours and just barely scratch the surface. So I, I do respect your time and I do want to want to close up here. The final question I ask everybody is, we've talked about a lot of stuff here. What's the one thing that a principal should do this week to be a transformative principal? If you're not already doing it, be highly visible. Uh, all of those issues that I talked about in terms of what we want staff doing with active supervision, establishing positive climate, high expectations consistently enforced, uh, you have to be the model for that. I had the opportunity to interact with a, a wonderful uh, high school principal in the state of Alabama this summer. And I haven't seen him in action with kids because this was a training with his staff during the summer. But uh, he is so highly respected by the superintendent of the district, by the teachers in his building. I just, anytime, uh, anytime I was talking to anybody uh, in this two days that I spent in this district, they would just, uh, just talk about this principal and how respected he is. One of the times that I was talking to the principal, and, and, I, and I just commented to him before I left town, I just said it was a privilege to work with your staff, and, and I told him that I, I've seen lots of, lots of situations where administrators are very, very well respected, uh, but just every, I explained to him, just everybody made a point uh, to tell me what a, what a pleasure it was to work in his building, and so we were just having this conversation, and I, I said, one of the things that I, I can really tell is that you're highly visible. You're out there, and several staff members talked about that, that you're just right there for them in as many passing times as possible. You're in the halls interacting with them, supporting. He said his granddaughter uh, visited uh, him from another state, and was uh, she spent the day with him at school. And at the end of the day, she said, you know, I, um, when I go to a school that's about this size, I've never seen the principal, ever, never seen her. I don't know what she looks like. And she was just saying, I, I'm just amazed at seeing that you're out there. So it's be out there, model all of this stuff for your staff, reinforce your staff for doing these things. And also the fact that you're visible, uh, your staff's going to know if I'm not out there helping supervise, my principal is going to see that I'm not out there, and that's no big deal if that happens once or twice. But if that's happening day after day, my principal is going to realize it. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful story. Thanks for sharing that. People who want to learn more about you and what you're doing, you can always go to the uh, show notes at transformativeprincipal.org. Just where it says, who do you want to learn from? Just type in Randy Sprick and the show notes for his episode will pop up. And then how else can they connect with you, Randy? Uh, probably easiest is the name of our consulting company, and then that links to the published materials, is Safe and Civil Schools. And uh, if they just do a Google search for Sprick at Safe and Civil or whatever, or our site is actually Safe and, A-N-D written out, safeandcivilschools.com. Awesome. So, Randy, that was incredible. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are wonderful. My, my pleasure, Jethro. It's been fun to talk to you. Thank you for the opportunity. Is, do you have any other uh, principals that you think I should be interviewing who are doing awesome work or other people, uh, consultants possibly, that you think I should reach out to? 
Um, yeah, absolutely. One that uh, you and I have interacted with some jointly is Carl Schlack. He's just doing a, a former principal. He's now retired, uh, but he did an awesome job of implementing safe and civil schools uh, in his district in Alaska, Matsuburo, and is doing a, a wonderful job now as a uh, trainer and coach in some of our foundations projects and things. So uh, Carl would be could be a great resource. Great. And who was that principal that you were uh, talking about that was out and visible that you shared that story about at the end? In Alabama, his name is uh, Dr. Shakespeare. And uh, just like the poet uh, playwright, uh, Dr. Shakespeare in Andalusia, Alabama. All right. Just had to write that down. Didn't know how to spell Andalusia. So A-N-D-A-L-U-S-I-A, I think. That's, that is correct. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they're just they're just starting implementing safe and civil. So it, uh, if you talk to him, it'd be great to get his perspective on uh, what is what was clearly a, a a very good district and very good building even before they started. But they're now utilizing safe and civil uh, to try to be a little bit more systematic and go deeper. Okay, cool. So the last thing I need to tell you is Trisha Skiles works for you, right? Yes, she does. She came and did a training in Canyon School District down in Utah, and she was the best presenter that I have ever had at an in-service. She, she is astounding. <laughs> I could not believe it. And I still have not had a better presenter than her. She had this room full of building leadership teams from, you know, like 20 elementary schools. And she just <laughs> owned all of us. And it was amazing. I mean, there were like crotchety old principals who don't need this stuff anymore and teachers who thought they were too good to hear it and by the end everybody was like i'm in love with her <laughs> so. yes absolutely every everywhere she goes she is awesome and she actually one one of her strengths for her uh, now training so much for me she also does some training with jim knight and jim's a great colleague as well yeah uh, with the coaching the importance of coaching but uh, Trisha uh, came to this, and when she first heard about champs, she actually thought, oh, this would never make a difference. And she was working in a real tough school in Topeka, Kansas, and trying it just like you described at the outset of our conversation uh, with the staff member that you described, just uh, getting going with uh, more clear expectations. Trisha tells the same story. It was like, oh, I was almost disappointed this worked because I wanted to be skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. Well, anyway, thank you again so much for your time, Randy. It's been awesome to talk with you and uh, dream come true because I've been a fan for a long time. So thanks for all the work you're doing. Uh, my pleasure, Jethro. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Bye now. What a fantastic interview with Randy Sprick. I learn so much every time I hear him, whether it's on a webinar, which we'll have a link to in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org, or whether it is on a recorded thing. It doesn't matter. I just learn a lot from that guy. He is so good at what he does. Thanks so much for listening, and please share this with your friends and colleagues and help other people learn from the great things happening uh, here on the Transformative Principle. If you've got an idea of somebody that I should interview, I'd love to hear it. And I uh, got a couple of great recommendations from Randy. And if you've got some of your own recommendations, then please let me know. And I would love to hear 
who should be on. So you can reach me on Twitter at Jethro Jones, or you can contact me through the website transformandoprinciple.org, or you can send me a text or call me at 8017 Jethro. So I look forward to hearing from you and hearing who else I should interview, because I know there's tons of great principles out there. Thanks so much for listening. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.